So my name is Ben Bennett. I uh, get to serve with Josh McDowell Ministry as an author, as a speaker. A little background on me. First six years in ministry, um, I led a lot of healing groups. Basically, I figured out that a lot of people are stuck doing what they don't want to do. Mental health struggles, pornography, anger, sin struggles. So we started these groups, and then hundreds of people were signing up. Men, women, campus directors, and um, had a lot of experience seeing people get set free. And God was doing it. And, uh, and then in my own life, I just have struggled so much. Like the struggle is real. Been through so many things I'll share about in a minute. Um, but one of the things I learned is that there are real answers. The insanity can stop. We can truly stop doing the things we don't want to do. I believe as Christians, that is God's heart for us. And we can do that today in our life. Another quick thing, resolution movement. This is something we launched uh, two years ago. Um, we resolution people with biblically-based research-informed answers to their hurts and their struggles. There's so many things we might try, so many things I tried for years to stop doing what I didn't want to do. I mean, it, a lot of times it just left me feeling broken, hopeless. Why can't I stop doing these things? So we launched a global movement. There's tens of thousands of people all around the world part of this. We want to invite you to be part of this. Help resolution people, lead people to Jesus, but also help them be set free so they can thrive in their lives. Okay, so where are we going today? Well, I shared about the things that I got to learn through six years of leading healing groups, some things in my own life that, that I, I wrestled with. Now, how many of y'all know just because you come to Jesus, it doesn't mean all of your struggles go away? A lot of people raising their hand. If you're not raising your hand, we know what your struggle is. Lying. <laughs> Sorry, we're off to a great start here. I mean, the bad joke, another bad joke. Um, but here's the thing. Jesus said he came to bring abundant life. He came to set us free. But so often we're struggling to figure out how do I experience this abundant life? That's what we'll talk about today. For me, I grew up surrounded by Christianity. My parents work for a Christian organization. We talked about Jesus at home. And uh, early on, I understood the message of Jesus going to church. It's around the age of four. I remember understanding that God loves me so much. He wanted a relationship with me. He was a personal God. But I had done wrong things. That's what the Bible calls sin. And that separated me from God. But through Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, I could receive forgiveness and have a restored relationship with God. I was bought into that at a young age. That relationship was restored, but other relationships were broken, particularly in relationship with my dad. My dad traveled for weeks at a time in the early years of my life. He worked long hours at the office, and when he was home, things didn't seem to be much better. So often experienced his harsh anger directed towards me, lashing out, bullying, being made fun of. I often felt like I couldn't meet his expectations. On top of that, I was bullied by my friends at school, called names, made fun of for my faith, my weight, the music I listened to, all kinds of things. 
And I say this not to blame others, but to be real with the fact that I was deeply hurting as a kid. I had these unmet longings, these desires to be known, loved, safe. But I so often missed out on that. So what happened? Well, early on, I began reacting to these things. I started getting really anxious, always on alert, trying to protect myself from the next time I would feel rejected. Depressed, turning inward, feeling hopeless again and again. Angry, lashing out, isolating, not talking about what I was dealing with. I went to counseling at an early age. Man, I'm thankful for counseling. I got put on anti-anxiety medication. It helped some of the fears go away for a while, but then I started to feel numb. just kind of like an emotional zombie, and I started to go on more and more medication, and I got diagnosed with ADHD, and I was struggling to concentrate in school, so what do they do? They prescribe me Adderall, and if you've ever legally taken Adderall, I don't want to know if you've illegally taken it, you feel these high highs, and I felt so happy. I mean, I remember in college reading, and I'm like, I'm reading about, I don't know what it was like, math, something so boring, except in that moment, I was like, I freaking love reading. This is the best thing ever. It was, it was wild. I was so stoked, such high highs. I felt like this guy. <laughs> Seriously, that's how I felt, but then you'd come off of it and you just, I felt lower than i had ever felt. So low. I stopped taking that. And I got put on more and more medication and I felt so numb. Thought I was the problem. This is never going to get better. I'm never going to stop struggling. And what I realized was being heavily medicated. I mean, medication is great. It's a, it's a gift from God. I'm pro-drugs, just not in school zones. Um, thanks for the courtesy, Raffle. You can laugh at that. It's like, I, I'm kidding. I hope I get invited back. But being heavily medicated was just this futile attempt to deal with what I was going through rather than dealing with the deeper things driving why I, did, why I did what I didn't want to do. Eventually, I needed something more, something more to medicate to escape the pain I was experiencing. And I soon found something that could give me a high like a drug, and it was free. And I didn't think anybody would ever have to know. That's when I found pornography. And pornography instantly captured me. I, was so, I became so addicted to it. It's like I had this love-hate relationship with it. I kept going back to it and at the same time promising God that it was the last time that I would stop. I tried praying, reading my Bible, confessing it, but no matter what I tried, it seemed like this was not going away. I thought I didn't love Jesus enough. I thought I just needed more faith in him. Maybe you relate to one or several or all of my struggles. I want you to know, if nobody's ever told you whatever you're struggling with, there's so many other people struggling with it. You're not alone in that struggle. It's not just a cliche say, thing to say. Statistically, it's true. Over half of male and female students your age, young adults, college students, are struggling with pornography. It's the reality. 
want you to know, too, that you're in good company if you're struggling today. I mean, we see this all throughout the Bible. Joseph, he was abused and betrayed by his brothers. Moses was abandoned by his parents as an infant. Job was so depressed he wished he had never been born. David was anxious. Elijah was suicidal. Tamar was raped by her brother. And Jesus himself faced more trauma and agony than any of us could ever experience, being betrayed by his closest friends, hung naked on a cross, dying naked for the sins of humanity. God sees you. He cares. You're not the only one struggling with what you're struggling with. I want to encourage you today that that God can bring freedom in your life. But we can only understand why we do what we don't want to do when we know what we want to do. What we are creating, you guys following? I almost, I almost slipped up on that. Uh, why we do, now I, now I lost my train of thought. <laughs> what we are created for, what God designed us for, the abundant life here and now. John 10.10, 10, a thriving life of flourishing he created us for. So let's start out, let's talk about that. What it means to thrive. I love this word thriving. It encapsulates so much of life. Think about it. Every day, we spend hours upon hours trying to thrive. We go to school for years. It's like some of you guys are like in masters and then getting your doctorates and God bless your heart, that's amazing. But it's years of school. And we do that not to make life worse, but to make life better. We wanna enjoy life, we wanna make an impact. Um, We go to the gym, some of us, (laughs) once a month. Some of us every day to try to invest in our physical health. We invest in our relationship with God, our relationship with other people, hobbies, all kinds of things to try to thrive. And to prove my point, I mean, in this country, there are, I mean, throughout the decades, there have been thousands, no, millions of dollars spent on infomercial products because people are trying to thrive. Now they happen on Instagram, it's like you get an ad and you're like, oh, whoa, whoa, five shirts for $20? This is amazing. And then you order them and it takes like a month to come over from China and then you realize they're like paper and you didn't get the shirts you wanted and you thought it was cotton and it's, we fall for that stuff. I guess nobody (laughs) nobody has (laughs) fallen for that. Those Instagram ads, man. But back in the day, there's so many things we tried to thrive. Let's look at the first one, the TV hat. Actually, this is, this is actually a recent product. Okay, so this is so you can watch videos on your iPhone, or videos straight from your iPhone, like in front of your face, as if you needed a hat to do that. Like, you can hold a phone up this close to your, your face, whatever. It's also, it's also for those who want copious amounts of radiation a rectangle face, and to be ostracized from society. (laughs) Doc Bottoms A-Spray. Yes, that's the real name. Its claim to fame is it boasts that it goes where other deodorants can't. I'm not going to explain that. Last one. Rejuvenique Electric Facial Mask. Oh, y'all have seen this. Oh my gosh. Who thought this was a good idea? Okay, so it says it does for the face, 
what eight sit-ups a second does for your stomach, AKA it murders your face. It's also a great disguise for bank robberies, uh, grand theft auto homicides, and creating nightmares for children. It's ridiculous. There's so many things we try to thrive in life. But here's the thing. When it comes to the foundation of thriving, we can go to the next slide if we don't want to look at that or it be looking at us. There's something at the foundation of thriving that has to be in our life to thrive. And that's something is healthy relationships. So Harvard's been doing this awesome study. Um, it's gone on for 75 years. They wanted to look at what leads to the happiest and healthiest lives. So what leads to the lowest amount of disease in people's lives and the most happiness? The current head of the study said this. The clearest message that we get from the 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. So at the core of thriving and satisfaction in life is healthy relationships. The cool thing is this is not some societal phenomenon. It's not just some random chance that this happened. No, this is core to how God made us. It's deeply rooted in Christianity. We see this as early as the first couple books of the Bible, first couple chapters. Genesis 1 and 2, where God had created a perfect place, the Garden of Eden, for Adam and for Eve. They had everything they needed. They were flourishing with God and others. And one thing to note is they had relationships in three areas. One was with God. They walked with God. They knew him. They were close with him. Two, with one another. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. He created Eve. They walked with one another. And then three, with themselves. They knew they were made in the image of God. They had infinite value. There was no price point you could put on their life. They mattered so much. They weren't worthless. They were worth a lot. They were made by God, handcrafted. They were designed to flourish in those three areas. And that was the original intent for us, to thrive in those three relational categories. And when God created everyone, when he created Adam and Eve first, he put within them, and he does it with us, these desires, these heart longings that drive everything we do. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do in life flows from it. A lot of times we mention the first part, guard your heart, but we can't miss the second part. Everything you do in life flows from it. So why do we do what we don't want to do? we got to say, what's going on in my heart? What are these heart longings? What am I seeking out? What has happened to my heart? Oh, we'll get here in a second. Throughout the Bible, there are seven longings of the heart that are wired within us that motivate everything we do. And I'm going to breeze through these. We don't, I mean, i got like 25 minutes. Seven longings. We spent years researching this, trying to figure it out, the best of our abilities found in the Bible, seven longings backed by brain science, psychology, that motivate every human being. Like this is gold that we felt like we struck. Struck. Seven longings that drive everything you do. You want to know why you do what you don't want to do? Start thinking about these heart longings and what you've been longing for and what has gone unmet or what is currently going unmet. First one, appreciation. This is to be thanked or encouraged for what you've done. 
to be thanked or encouraged for what you've done. Second is affection, to be cared for with gentle touch or emotional engagement. To be cared for with gentle touch or emotional engagement. Third is access, to have the consistent emotional and physical presence of key figures. To have the consistent emotional and physical presence of key figures. Then there's affirmation of feelings. To have our feelings affirmed, validated, or confirmed by others. To have our feelings affirmed, validated, or confirmed by others. Assurance of safety is number five. To feel safe, protected, and provided for emotionally, physically, and financially. So I'm going to talk about the last two a little bit more because I, I find so many people I've worked with struggle in the present day, but so much so in the past, to have these fulfilled. First one is acceptance, to be included, loved, and approved of as you are no matter what. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Man, we're commanded to do this, to accept one another. We need this so much, especially as kids growing up, from dad, from a mom, from our friends, from our siblings. So many of us, we miss out on those things. When someone experiences this, it, it deeply roots in them this idea that I am valued. One of the things I love about Christianity is Christianity is so different from every other major world religion. If you don't know this, every other major, tongue twisters, every other major world religion teaches you that essentially you have to do good or get rid of desire or do, do, do in order to somehow maybe get to some place, some paradise to be accepted by some God or gods. Jesus didn't teach that. He taught something the opposite. God is perfect and holy and he wants us. He wants you. He wants to spend eternity with you. And none of us can ever be behave good enough. We can never be perfect on our own. But that's why Jesus came, to live a perfect life for us, die on the cross for our sins, and rose again. Jesus was perfect, so we don't have to be. He fully accepts us because he performed for us. Now we can be fully accepted, fully approved of, fully known and loved by a holy God. He's not distant. He's not disengaged. He's close. He's personal. He wants you. He accepts you. This is what we all desire. We wake up every morning, and I don't know anybody who's like, wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and say, you know what I can't wait for? Somebody, I mean, just fit to hit the shan. Somebody to like dump on my self-esteem. Somebody to reject me. Everything to go poorly. People to bully me. None of us. We, we don't want that. We want to be accepted. Okay, and then the last one, attention. To be known and understood with someone entering your world. This communicates I'm understood. You know, right now there's this epidemic of loneliness in our world. And research has shown that it's more deadly than smoking 15 cig cigarettes a day. Loneliness, it kills more people, causes more diseases. And what we don't get about loneliness is loneliness is not a lack of friends. Loneliness is the lack of meaningful 
connection. It's really, it's, loneliness is not a lack of friends. It's a lack of meaningful connection. It's a lack of attention. And if you hear attention, sometimes maybe you think negative things. Oh, like growing up or what friends said. Oh, you just want attention. You want to be the center of attention. This is different. This is to be known and loved with someone entering your world. And this is what God wants to do with you. And this is what God does with us. Just read the Psalms. The psalmist, David. How many times was he saying, search me, O God, and know my heart? Test my anxious thoughts. O Lord, you have examined my heart. This is Psalm 139. And you know everything about me. Every moment you know where I am. God wants this relationship with us. And he wants us to have this with other people. To be fully known and fully loved. A friend of mine, Daniel, has done this so well. He's lived it out so well with his three boys. Uh, A couple years ago, his boys had just seen one of the new Jurassic Park movies, and I'm like, ah, Chris Pratt, he's cool and all, but uh, you can't really beat the OG ones. But anyways, they had seen the Jurassic Park movies, and they were super into dinosaurs, and so Daniel is like asking him about it. He's ordering them dinosaurs. It's like dinosaurs, dinosaurs, PJs, just dinosaur everything. And so he loves them. He, he enters their world. He gets down on their level. So what did he do? Well, he secretly ordered this inflatable T-Rex costume. And so one day, there he was, Daniel, the Jurassic dad, waiting for his boys to get off of the school bus in front of all their friends. They run out. He's chasing them. They're chasing him. And um, they loved it. They were ecstatic. And I think what's cooler than them seeing their dad transform into a T-Rex was they knew who their dad was. They knew how much he cared for them, loved them, entered their world. What a model of God the Father and what he wants to do in our life. I actually have a video of it. Let's see. Dad goals. Ah, I love it. So all of us, we're designed to have these seven longings fulfilled. Everything we do flows from our heart. We're going to seek them out, whether or not we consciously know it. We can't help but seek them out. But here's the reality in life. Things are not the way they were meant to be. In life, we experience unmet longings, hurt, trauma, abuse, pain, And this takes us away from these seven longings being fulfilled. And we struggle and we do something with those things. And for some of us, you know, everybody, I mean, nobody lives in this world and doesn't experience pain. Heartbreak, suffering, seeing what's happening on the news, friends dying, friends dying by suicide, all kinds of things cause these unmet longings. And many of us have experienced horrific things, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, people not being there when they were supposed to be there, bullying, all kinds of things. What happens when that happens? Things happen up here. We start to believe lies. Oh, well, if they say that about me, then I must be that. Oh, if my my dad left 
it must have been my fault. Uh, if, if I can't have the right body, if I don't look like that person, God must have messed up when he made me. There's something wrong with me. And that is the enemy's tactic. He's been doing it since day one in the Garden of Eden. And so often we fall for it. You know, Adam and Eve realized they were naked and then they were ashamed. And then they ran from God and they tried to cope and cover themselves with fig leaves. That's what the enemy wanted. And so often that's why we're walking around with these fig leaves and we're trying to run. We're trying to cope with these unmet seven longings in our life. Our hurt, our unmet longings leads to lies. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Why does Paul tell us this? I think because it's so clear that the primary spiritual battle we are up against is one of truth over lies. We get this so confused. I mean, I know in my own life, it's like, oh, I got a flat tire. Spiritual warfare. It must have been Satan. It's Sunday. You know what I really want to eat? Chick-fil-A. Closed. Spiritual warfare. And I'm not saying it can't be those things, those discomforts and things going bad. And it's like, man, it just feels like everything keeps hitting the fan. But we see this in scripture here, demolish, like the weapons we fight with, are not, they're not carnal, earthly things. They're spiritual things. And it's about demolishing mental strongholds. And Satan is called the father of lies. So he's going to try and get us to buy into these lies. And he's going to use whatever he can. He doesn't fight fair. He's going to use the unmet longings, the hurt, the abuse, the pain. And here's what happens. Negative experiences. We get rejected, abused, don't feel like we can measure up to people. We start to be, believe lies. I'm not good enough. I'm worthless. God could never forgive me. God could never use me. That People will never accept me. Something is wrong with me. God can't be good. Why did he let that happen? People will never accept me. And it goes on and on, and we start feeding them to ourselves. I'm not sure how many lies the devil has to tell us because we do such a good job of telling them to ourselves. And I did that for years. And that's not to shame anyone, but it's to say, hey, let's realize his tactics. Let's realize what's going on, why we do what we don't want to do. And let's get some sweet victory against the enemy. Like, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm sick of seeing people die by suicide. I'm sick of people so anxious that it's like they can't live their lives or, or depressed or struggling with pornography and people not going into ministry because they're struggling with pornography. And I have so much compassion. Like, let's, let's help. Let's re-solution. Let's be part of the change. Like, people are dying out there and they're going to spend eternity separated from God. And it you don't have to stop struggling with pornography to follow Jesus. You don't have to stop dealing with suicidal thoughts to follow Jesus. Like he wants to meet you in that. But at the same time, he invites you into freedom. 
Ultimately, here's what happens. Next slide. Our unmet longings lead us to sin and mental struggles. Our unmet longings lead to sin and mental struggles. Is this making sense? It's like you got this, the seven longings, and then they go unmet or we're rejected, and then we believe lies, and then we, our behavior follows. Our behavior follows our beliefs. So we see this in the Bible. Think about this. King David, 1 Samuel, he had these unmet longings for safety. He was running from Saul who was trying to take his life. He was so anxious, the Bible says. He was hiding in caves. It's, it's like unmet longing, lie, behavior, hiding. Job, he lost his health, his wealth, his family. He says in Job 4, I think it is, why did I not perish when my mother gave birth to me? That's a depressed man. That's, he's so depressed he wished he had never been born. You know what Job also says? Uh, I think it's Job 1 or 2. Um, here is Job, a righteous and blameless man. Yet, potentially suicidal, potentially so depressed. You know, there's the stigma. There's this lie that if you're struggling with mental health stuff, if you're, you're dealing with anxiety, depression, OCD, whatever it is, that you just need more faith in Jesus. Ha! Job was blameless and so depressed he wished he had never been born doesn't mean if you're struggling it doesn't mean you don't love Jesus enough it doesn't mean you don't know enough of the Bible it doesn't mean you uh whatever insert whatever spiritual bypassing over spiritualization that we could enter there you know what it means it means you're human you live in a fallen world and you're experiencing things you were never meant to experience and Jesus wants to bring freedom and healing to your life we all have these unmet longings. We want to be accepted. We want to be loved. We want to be known. Our unmet longings lead to sin and mental struggles. Let's get practical here. Maybe for you it's feeling uninvited. It's like you went away to college or you graduated college and it's like, man, I just feel so lonely. People aren't inviting me to things. I feel like it's always on me. So maybe you start embracing that loneliness. Maybe you say, oh, maybe something is wrong with me. Maybe I am not good enough. Maybe I will never be accepted. And then you start to feel depressed. Maybe it's this unmet longing for attention, to be known and understood with someone entering your world. Growing up, to have a father, a mother who took interest in you, cherished you, picked you up, played with you, took you on daddy-daughter dates, whatever it is. And so now there's that deficit. And you find yourself giving in to these unwanted sexual behaviors that you never thought you would give into, or going to pornography. Maybe you felt uh, you seldom felt loved and accepted for who you truly wa were growing up. I'm so sorry if that you experienced that. And maybe now you feel like, oh man, if I can perform, if I can get straight A's, if I can get the right body, then finally, I'll be accepted. I'll be enough. Feel the need to say the verdict is in from Jesus. If you are in Christ, you have everything you need. You are enough. You know Psalm 8, 4, how it talks about who are, who are you, O God, that you're mindful of man? Well, the very next verse says, yet you made them, man, only a little bit lower than God. You know you're seated in heavenly places. You know you're of more worth than angels. 
You know you're the only thing in all of creation made in the image of God? That you're irreplaceable? No one has, does, or ever will look like you, be just like you. 1 Corinthians 12, 22 says that you are indispensable, a.k.a. you're in, irreplaceable. This is who God says you are. Every day this plays out in our life. Think about this. In the church, we, or as Christians, we talk about people-pleasing. We talk about fear of man. And we're like, oh, I just need to have a bigger view of God and smaller view of man. Or I just need to have more faith in how good God is. True, I guess, but let's take it deeper. Fear of man. Fear of man is less about people. And it's more about a learned response to avoid rejection at all costs. What happens when you grow up experiencing bullying and rejection and pain, living in a fallen world? It rewires your brain to be on alert and to say, people are going to reject me. They're not safe. Avoid, avoid, avoid. You get afraid. Your fight or flight system kicks in neuroscientifically. So what's going on there is learned response that needs to be unlearned over time. Okay, let's take, for example, porn. A lot of times we think, okay, I just need to get accountability, get Covenant Eyes, which I love Covenant Eyes. I still use Covenant Eyes. Uh, was on their podcast recently because they're, they're great. Support it. Um, I need to confess my sin whenever I slip up. I need to memorize, you know, that verse in Job that says I made a covenant to not look at a man, uh, man or woman lustfully. Okay, great start. But here's the thing. Porn is less about sex and lust, and it's more about trying to fulfill these unmet needs for acceptance, for love, and for safety. Some therapists say we eroticize our wounds, meaning we take something not sexual, something that was painful that we weren't meant to experience, and then we turn it into something else to try and get what we think we need. Our unmet longings lead to sin and mental struggles. So ultimately, these things aren't ultimately, aren't ultimately our problems. They're our solutions. These are our, everything that you have in your life, what, the things you're doing that you don't want to do are serving a purpose in your life. And you must figure out what that purpose is. It's your solution to something to try to survive growing up, to try and survive right now, to try and be accepted, to have attention, to be safe, to be loved. But what happens? Those things let us down and they can entice us, they can addict us. So if you hear nothing else today, I think I want you to walk away thinking about this. Rather than simply condemning your struggles, start questioning your struggles. Rather than simply condemning your struggles, start questioning your struggles. What is this thing about? Why is it unique to my story? What have I been through? What reminds me of it in the past? Proverbs 4.23, everything you do flows from your heart. What is going on in my heart that is leading me to think I need this or to react this way, to respond this way. So rather than seeing the anxiety, the people-pleasing, or the sin struggle as just something that 
is our problem. It's just our crutch. It's just something I want to get free from and get rid of. What if we, as one of my friends who's a therapist says, what if we saw that our brokenness can actually pave our way towards healing? That our brokenness can pave our way towards healing. How? We question the brokenness and figure out what's going on there and why we respond in certain ways and what of the seven longings we're trying to find fulfilled. Man, I've seen this work. I've seen God, not it work. I've seen God use this in my life. I've seen God use it in hundreds of people's lives. A couple years ago, there's a guy I'll call Ethan. He, he joined one of these healing groups. And um, coming in, he was dealing with anxiety, depression, anger, and uh, pornography. And he was just very, very reactive. And... Um, he got in the group, and he had been trying all kinds of things to get free. I mean, he, was, he did everything that he thought he was supposed to do as a good Christian. He went to church. He was involved in the student ministry. He was sharing the gospel regularly. He was praying. He was fasting. He was uh, leading, like discipling people. He was doing all kinds of things to try to be sanctified. But why wasn't he getting free? As we started, as he started questioning his struggles rather than condemning them, he started to realize, oh my gosh, growing up, I mean, my family was great in so many ways, but my parents never approved of my grades. It was like, unless I even, unless I had like A plus, straight A pluses, there was no approval. His parents said that he was too emotional. He felt like, man, I just don't belong in this family. And that was deeply rooted, that lie in his life. So what happened in the present? 21-year-old him, he'd be walking across campus. He'd see his ex-girlfriend with another guy. Boom. Oh, yeah, I'm not good enough. And with it, in that moment, it brought with it all of the past unmet longings and pain. Or he'd fail a test. And then he'd be like, oh, man, there must be something wrong with me. The past was being played out in the present. And, and, and so, of course... He was getting angry and reacting and going to pornography because he had not found a better solution. What happened? He started to discover, to discover these things, connect the dots. He started getting with a group of guys, reaching out, talking about his emotions, becoming aware of what was going on in his life, how he felt like a failure, challenging those lies, connecting rather than coping. And over time, his anger went down. He started to see himself as God sees him. He started to stop looking at pornography. And he started to experience true freedom as he realized where those unmet longings had taken place. Oh, I got to wrap up. Real quick, here's what happens. This is one reason it can be so hard to overcome these things. Next slide. Um... What happens as we, so our thoughts are not just, I don't know, just random ethereal things. No, they're actual physical things. So the more you think a certain thought, it becomes more and more concrete in your brain. They kind of look like trees and you develop all these webs of trees in your brain. They're actual physical. So if you keep going to the same thoughts, behaviors, reactions, anxious about the same things, it develops more and more neurological pathways in your brain, more fixed ways of thinking and responding to life. So at some point, 
you don't just have this simple decision to say no, to stop, but you have a hardwired brain problem to deal with. Here's a summary. Our hurt and unmet longings, if you write this down and think about it, I pray that God uses it to change your life. Like this is, I've done 500 hours of therapy to try and heal from like all the stuff I've been through. And this is like, yeah, there's a lot of Jesus in there, but this is the core of why we do what we don't want to do. Unmet longings, like the hurt, the unmet longings, subtle or really intense, leads to lies and these negative core beliefs. And then we get stuck in these coping behaviors, trying to react to it, make sense of it, and then it rewires our brain. So Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. You know what the pattern of the world is? Hurt, sin, lies, coping. If you could go back one slide. In many senses, this, this is the pattern of this world that we're all walking around in. And then the verse goes on to say what? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Neuroplasticity, a recent discovery the past couple of decades from neuroscientists, essentially proves that your brain can change. If you've ever known anybody who's experienced a stroke and couldn't move part of their hand and then they did rehab, their brain and their body was rewiring and relearning. Your brain can change. Your struggles of today do not have to be your struggles of tomorrow. It's biblical. Paul has been telling us this for 2,000 years. Uh, next slide. I love what Caroline Leaf says in her book, Switch on Your Brain. Great book. As we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. Healthy biblical thoughts about who you are, who God is, this life you were meant to live. This is what it means to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to take our thoughts captive, to think about things that are true, noble, right, and pure. Earlier I shared my story, the things I went through, the struggles. It didn't end there. When I was, well, let's just say 11 years ago, I hit rock bottom. I was like, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired. I don't want to bring pornography into a marriage someday. I, I, I don't want to deal with this anxiety, this depression, this anger. I reached out for help. Went to a recovery group, started meeting with a therapist who was an addiction uh, specialist. I started learning about the intersection of theology, psychology, and neuroscience. I started really understanding biblical passages, like what it means to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and I developed a life of no secrets. I started reaching out rather than acting out. And I started for the first time in my life to be fully known, fully loved, accepted, safe, loved, appreciated, to have those seven longings met in a group of guys who were safe and were on the journey with me. And God used that. Four years of that started my journey. And today I've been free from porn, for, porn and masturbation for nine years. Depression, praise God, right? 
Depression is almost non-existent in my life. Anxiety, it's a work in progress. You know, we've got eight to thousand, eight to 10,000 thoughts a day and we're told to take all of them captive. So sometimes it takes a long time, but last year anxiety in my life went down 80% and it stayed there. God renews our minds. We just got to understand why we do what we don't want to do and start by the power of the Holy Spirit taking steps to grow and to heal. In summary, the neurons that fire apart, wire apart. Okay, we'll wrap this up. Here's the big summary. This probably cost me 50 grand to learn this. 500 hours of therapy, 50, oh no, that's a lot of money. Um, you're welcome, free for you. Our hurt and unmet longings will lead to lies and negative core beliefs which leads to unhealthy coping behaviors and a fixed brain. The good news Jesus wants us to know. It's interesting how the enemy always like creates counterfeits and does the opposite, right? Think about this. The exact opposite is how we heal and start to flourish. Connection and met longings. We, have, we reach out, we connect, we feel safe rather than unsafe we feel accepted rather than rejection we sit with God and experience his approval of us even if we don't feel appreciated by people will over time lead to this experience of truth that causes a hardwired change in our brain which over time leads to these healthy coping behaviors connecting reach out think about all the one another's in the new testament a hundred times the bible in the new testament mentions one another pray for one one another Forgive one another. And in turn, that leads to a rewired brain. That's amazing. God designed our brains to rewire and heal, just like when you get a scrape. It heals and changes. Okay. Next steps to heal and grow. If you take a picture of this, if you write it down, if you, you get away with God, um, I would really encourage you to think through this. First, identify the what. What of those unmet seven longings leads to a sin pattern, leads to a mental struggle, a lie, getting anxious, depressed? What happened yesterday, last week, the week before? Is it rejection rather than acceptance? Is it you didn't feel appreciated did you not feel safe emotionally, physically? Second, identify the why. Why is this so significant for you? Like what is unique in your story? What have you been through? Where have you experienced those things in the past? How's it coming up in the present? Three, identify the truth. What does God say about you? Like when you feel rejected in the present and you start believing you're worthless, and that life is not worth living, and that you're not good enough. What does God say about you? 1 John 3, 1, that you're a loved child of God. Psalm 8, 4, that you're created only a little bit lower than God. John 3, 16, for God so loved you. He loved you, that's why he died for you. He doesn't love or tolerate you as a result of the cross. He loved you before, and that's why he went to the cross, because he wanted you. 4, Fulfill the longing. 
Connect with God. Connect with a safe person. I love to close my eyes, sit there, and think about God and his approval of me and how much he loves me and cares about me. And then five, get equipped with a specialized resource and tools. Grab a friend, grab a mentor, go through it together. Uh, a lot of great books out there, a lot of great resources out there. Um, I wrote, wrote a book, and I feel like I can plug this um, as a humble brag because I don't keep any of the royalties. Like, I raise my own support to do what I can do, and then speaking, book sales, everything else goes back to the resolution movement and Josh McDowell ministry because we want to see Jesus change lives. And I've given my life to this. So next slide, please. Free to Thrive, we actually have it over there. It's available in Spanish too. And um, if this encouraged you or helped you in any way, I, like this is straight from the book. 10% of what I've shared today is from the book. The other 90% is in the book. And then the last one, if this has encouraged you and you've said, man, my friend needs to hear this. My sibling needs to hear this. I want to help reach people at my school. I want to encourage you to join the resolution movement. We've got hundreds of people all across the country who are joining this movement. You can just text us. Text JOIN to 972-433-5687. We're not going to spam you. Um, we're going to text you helpful resources to help resolution you so you can resolution other people to help them stop doing what they don't want to do, overcome their struggles, and thrive. Be part of this movement with us. All right, the next breakouts start in five minutes. So I'm going to be out there. I would love to chat with y'all. I'm here all day, even tomorrow, even when y'all are gone. I'm here tomorrow. Let's chat. I'll be over there if, if I can encourage you or help in any way.